Hi, welcome Cottage Hill family. So glad to have you guys here online joining in with us to worship the Lord and just um, have a time of fellowship. Um, we miss you all. We're glad to be back home. Um, Gavin and my wife Jen uh, just coming back from Hawaii. So super glad to be back home and uh, to get, you know, started serving the Lord and worshiping with you guys again. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for this time that we get to have as a family to just reconnect. Um, even if it is just through the computer or through our TV screen. Um, Lord, I pray that you just bless this time um, and just teach us um, the different areas that we need to surrender to you or where you're calling us to serve more. And Lord, uh, we know that you'll be faithful to do that. So we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.
Hey, I'm pretty excited for today's uh, testimony. The person we're going to share with you is my friend Ciprian Droma. Ciprian and Eve have served the Lord in different places in the world, and they're back in the United States for a few months, just had their second little baby girl. Ciprian's going to be telling you his story of finding Jesus in, in his home country of Romania and what God has done in him since. He's part of our missions family, and I know you're going to be blessed by his story and then by the song with this voice that God has gifted him to use. So, Ciprian Droma. Hello, my name is Ciprian Droma. I was born in Romania into a gypsy tribe in 83 during communism. All the members of my tribe were jewelers, and none of them would hesitate to cheat, lie, and steal in order to make more money. That's what I was told to do, and that's what was normal for me. My grandfather was one of the most respected men in the tribe. When he died in 96, we had to observe funeral traditions. We had to offer hundreds and hundreds of meals to other people, believing that doing that, he, the grandfather, will have food in the other world. We also had to give all, um, away clothes and furniture for the same kind of purpose. We were also forbidden to participate for the length of a year to any kind of party, including weddings or birthday parties, as a symbol of our grief. This situation allowed the young people in my family to be a bit more sober in our pursuit for fun and we turned our eyes to church to seek fun. Eight months or so after my grandfather's death, we, my brother and cousin, were invited to go to a Korean Methodist church. We went there to have fun. As uh, they had youth ministry and all sorts of other things, but after a year or so, we were convinced that Christ is the way in life to follow. I was uh, coveting the righteous way of living that the church people were living. They were not stealing, lying, or cheating. And no problems with the police, which was strange for my family. They were thankful with very little. And not just thankful, but really happy. And I wanted that. Later on, I've learned that Lord Jesus Christ is also the way and the truth, the life and truth. In the church, I've discovered that by the grace of God, I could sing. So in 2004, I finished the music high school in Bucharest. In 2008, I graduated from the music conservatoire in L'Aquila, Italy. 2012, I got my master's in opera performance in the UK. And in the fall of the same year, I went to Iraq, Soleimania, to teach music to their brand new music university that was inaugurated in 2011. Besides teaching music at the university, I was also holding church meetings for prayer and Bible reading in my house. I've also transcribed by the grace of God Christian songs in Kurdish Sorani language. In 2016, I got married to a wonderful Christian woman who was working in the same city translating the Bible. My wife was born and raised in Massachusetts. Before coming to Iraq, she worked in Russia and Azerbaijan as Bible translator and building relationships. Eleven months and two weeks after our marriage, the Lord has blessed us with a wonderful little girl. We named her Arame Fanikadroma. Arame means comfort. She was born in the United States. A few weeks later, though, we discovered that she had Down syndrome, so that was a bit of a challenge for us. However, when she was only six weeks old, we left U.S. and went to Romania to plant a church among the silversmith gypsies, and Arame was absolutely a trooper. She was such a blessing to our ministry. So we went to uh, Romania to plant a church to my own tribe. By the grace of God, we were able to plant the church, sent one brother to a Bible college in Bucharest and two to a preaching seminar in the north of the country, and started a children's program and also had lots of evangelistic campaigns. We are now back in the U.S., and the Lord has blessed us with another baby girl. She's very healthy, praise God. We are praying and hoping to continue working in Iraq and Romania. 
Next year, I hope to be ordained a pastor by the grace of God. Uh, after I'll finish my theological studies um, at the Online Baptist University of Bucharest. Thank you. Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You are the one that guides my heart. For sin runs deep, your grace is more. Where grace is found is where you are. Where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Christos in me, ne asta e, prin harul său, sfințenie. Eu de tine am nevoie, am nevoie mare. Neprihănirea mea și a mea apărare. Lord, I need you, oh, I need you. Every hour I need you, my one defense, my righteousness. My righteousness, oh God, how I need you. Hey, Cottachillers and friends who are watching today's online service, we're glad you've joined us. I'm Jeff Chandler. I'm one of the pastors here at Cottage Hill and going to be bringing God's word today. You know, last week I was talking to you about 
not rushing through this season and not just hoping that it would end as, as soon as it could and you can get back to normal, you get back to work. Some of you, your whole lives have just been caved in kind of. You, all of a sudden you're homeschooling, you're working at home, everybody's together. There's some great things about it. But I just felt on my heart from the Lord to challenge you, don't rush it. God's doing something in this time. He's doing something that he, that he uh, will accomplish his will in your life in our church somehow. And so we don't want to rush that. We don't want to push our way into normal, whatever normal is going to look like. And I understand saying that, that waiting is not always an easy thing to do. Waiting can be hard. If you know what your date is, it can be hard. If you don't know what your date is, like we're in a situation now, it can be hard. In, in all through that, the waiting, the waiting, the waiting, one thing we know is that God is always working. Jesus said one time in the Gospel of John, my father's working until now, and I am working. One translation, I myself am working. So we know he's doing something, and we know that he's working. We just have to allow him on our side to do the work. Today, I, I want to move a little bit beyond that, don't rush it, to, to challenging you that I believe that God is calling people into kingdom work. He's calling you into doing something new on the other side of this. That He's at work trying to bring people to saving faith in Jesus, to a whole life commitment to following Jesus. But we get wrapped up there an awful lot, don't we, as Americans? That he wants to change my life. He wants to make my life better. He wants to make me a better person. He wants to make me like Jesus. The reality is he wants to do all of that so that you become part of the kingdom work so that you step into the role that he has for you in doing this work. So I want to go to a place in, in the Bible where it almost seems like there's a group of people coming out of quarantine themselves. The Israelites who've been in quarantine seem like 40 years, who now have an opportunity to get into the promised land, the land God promised them generations before. And this is a handover moment for Joshua. His time of waiting has come to an end, and now it's handover time to him. Those times can be a little bit intimidating or a little bit scary. You're not sure what's going on. And so I want to let you see these verses that end the book before Joshua. In Deuteronomy 34 has a summary of Moses' life, most likely that Joshua would write. It says, And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. That's kind of setting the table in front of Joshua. There's nobody like Moses. And now it's his turn to step into that. God is giving him a job to do. Hey, don't be intimidated by what God puts on your heart. Don't be intimidated when God starts to stir you with a burden for a particular need or a particular people or a particular opportunity. Don't be intimidated by that with what he stirs or when an opportunity comes to you or, or even if someone like me or Pastor Ted or a ministry leader approaches you about being involved in something. Don't be intimidated by that. And I want to look at these opening verses of the book of Joshua and just draw out some things that would speak to that, that would reinforce that God is calling us into what he wants us to do and that he's able to get us there on his side. That's where I want to be this week. On the God side of the equation, what can you count on? And then next week I want to come back and, and take a couple more verses in Joshua 1 and look at, but for this to happen, what has to happen on our side of the equation? You know, sometimes people look at lies and say, man, God does a lot of things through you. You get these great opportunities. I never seem to get any. And sometimes it's because we're leaving our side of the equation empty. So I want to come back to that next week. But this week in these opening verses of Joshua, what can you count on on the God side? So here's Joshua chapter 1, the first five verses. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all these people, into the land I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." 
No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Well, that's the God side of the equation. When he calls you to do something, there's some things here that Joshua could count on that translate to our time and all time. So here's, here's, what I see, here's what I see in that. That sometimes God just needs an after. The, the passage started as, as we read, it says, you know, God says to, to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, God's not afraid to call a moment what it is. This is a hard moment. This is an emotional moment. This is a huge moment. It's a transition moment. Moses is dead. But that doesn't stop things. Sometimes he needs an after. A lot of times we fall into a groove of somebody that's in front of us or someone that's out in the lead and we just kind of follow their groove and, and do what they do or encourage them and let them lead, let them do the things and somehow we feel like the, the work for that kind of flows over us because we're, we're helping them out in some way. When in reality, a lot of times we're hiding in the shadow. You know, easy for church people to follow the lead of the pastors. Hey, I'm following them and I'm encouraging them. I'm paying them. I'm praying for them. And they're doing a great job. And that's okay for me. When God has so much more for us. In fact, that's, that's what can be an average church experience for so many people. I come to church. I encourage, you know, I encourage the pastor. I, I encourage the ministry leaders. I hang out with people, I pray, and then I go home. And maybe you volunteer in a couple places, but that's way under what God has in mind for us as far as kingdom work and, and what we're supposed to do. Sometimes we get convinced that being stuck is safe, that being in a, in a place where we are, we're comfortable, we've grown some, we know the Bible some, but we just kind of get stuck we get into this mode that that's a safe place to be. For, is, for Israel, they could think about that, that Egypt, that's a bad memory in the past. And those giants they heard were in the land, they're out of sight right now. And they're finally out of the desert. So this is a good spot. This is a good place for them to be. But the problem sometimes with good spots is that they're not the God spot. It's not where God wants them. Yeah, as good as where they are right now, out of the desert, they're eating real food and not just manna anymore. They've got promise and hope and a future like we always talk about. But that's not the place that God wants them to stay. He doesn't want you to be stuck in the same place. It's not a holding spot. It's just a transition spot. God is looking for you and for me. He's looking to bring us in to what he's doing in some way. I, for my life, that's a lot more obvious and maybe it's e an unfair, easy advantage for me. You know, God's called me to be a pastor, so clearly this is what I'm supposed to be doing. But within the day-to-day, -day, I got to hear from him. Where in this life are you calling me? And, and so, do, so do you. Here's Joshua. Here's this moment. Here's this handoff. He's got to have a ton of questions. What's going to change? Moses is gone. What's going to change now? Is God have the same goals or has he downsized them because of, uh, of what's going on? Uh, can I really do this? Am I up to this? I mean, I've been a military man and now I got this huge administrative thing. Is, is God going to come through for me like he came through for Moses? He's coming into this with a lot of questions. But one of the things you see as, as we get introduced to Joshua is that sometimes God needs an after. Usually God builds on faithfulness. You know, it, it tells us about Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He's been Moses' military man. He's been Moses' personal aide. He's been Moses' protector, probably Moses' confidant. He's up on Mount Sinai with Moses when the law comes. He's just been around and he's been aware of, of what's happened. That's who he's been. And he's shown up when he needed to show up. You've heard that quote that, 80% of success is just showing up, just being where God needed you to be in the moment, just being in that spot. There it is. You're here and, and people can count on you and people know you're going to be where, you, where you're supposed to be. Some of us really need to weigh that out. Even with small volunteers opportunity, God is looking to build on faithfulness. People that you have a responsibility and people know you're going to be here. You're not going to be a person of, oh, well, something came up, or it didn't work out, or I, I was kind of busy, or I forgot. Those are not things that God builds on. He builds on showing up and, and being fully present and looking for that next opportunity. 
You know, this COVID season, it's, it's a good opportunity for us in some ways to relax. I'm hearing from a number of people about having more family time and appreciating that, about the schedule being downsized a little bit. Suddenly you go out for a drive and the roads are empty. That's nice. So there's a relaxed element to this time. But God is, I believe, he's calling and he's stirring. Because it's relaxed, you have time to get into his word. You have time to just pray and asking God, what is it, when this is done, what do you want me to do? What part of the kingdom am I ready for? What do you want to use out of my life, out of what I know of Jesus? What do you want to use for your kingdom so people can know how good you are and, and grow in that? So he's looking for faithfulness. He's just looking for you in this moment to relax, but also to move forward and, and to hear and to, to listen on him. Well, if he usually builds on faithfulness, he always his promises are promises. Always you can count on. You had those conversations with people who hasn't, where you follow up on something somebody said to you and they say, whoa, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. Or they give you the, well, I, I didn't think you'd take it that way. They say, well, it seemed pretty clear at the time. Well, hey, that's not what I meant. I, I can't do that. Or you get the coupon and of course in the itty bitty writing down at the bottom, it gives you the expiration date. Or you get to the checkout and you find out that, oh, no, 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 this coupon doesn't apply to sale items. All these things that you're, you think are there for you and, and suddenly they're gone. Or as kids, this thing that we do with it, well, I said that, but my fingers were crossed. Or with whoever came up with this crazy thing of cross my ho heart and hope to die. Why would any kid hope to die? Why would we do that over giving you some gum or whatever it was we promised to you? Hey, with God, you never have to worry about him playing those games. His promises are promises. He's put things down in, in the Bible, I, which I like to call the forever book. It says in, in one place in the Psalms, forever, O Lord, is your word settled in heaven. He's put things down in paper so we'd know what we could count on, so we'd know who he was and what kinds of things he could do. He even tells us in places, I'm not changing. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. I'm, I'm not changing. But look at some of, the, some of the things he says about his word in the word. Some things for you to nail down. It says the, word of the, Lord, uh, the words of the Lord are flawless, which I love. Flawless. Like silver purified in a crucible. Like gold refined seven times. And then the idea that, that God would hedge on a promise or change his mind like we do, it says in Numbers, God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? Even for emphasis, he puts those as rhetorical questions. Of course not. Does God say something and then not follow through? Of course not. Does he promise and not fulfill? Of course not. So always, when, when God gives us a promise, it's a promise. As you read the Bible, you've got to appreciate that some of the promises God makes, they're for a moment. You know, Sarah is going to be pregnant this time next year. You probably won't be. You know, there are, are promises. Mary, as a virgin, is going to give birth. That's a promise in a moment. But so many, many promises are forever. When you're reading through the book and you see the God uh, promises God makes based on his character or, or makes for this time period of the church, those promises you can count on. So he says to Joshua a couple of different ways. He says the same land promise that he made to Abraham, that he repeated to Isaac and Jacob, this, the land promise that Joseph looked forward to, bury me up in the promised land when you go there. The promise that was given to Moses is reiterated to Joshua. In fact, he says, every place the sole of your foot will tread. Some of these are exact quotes out of, out of earlier books of the Bible. His promise is staying the same. It's something that Joshua can count on. It's, he repeats it in the same way so that he knows, I've got a promise. I can move forward on a promise. You know, he says, he says twice about being with Moses. At the end of verse 3, he said, just as I promised Moses. And then he says down in verse 5, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Just as I was with Moses. Well, Moses was a pretty amazing man, had a pretty amazing life. So I was, found myself just thinking, okay, so how was God with Moses? What's Joshua supposed to take away there that we could also take away? Well, he was with Moses from start to finish. I mean, he protected Moses' life from the Egyptian infanticide. 
And then he was with them until the very end when he dies on top of the mountain looking over the promised land. Start to finish, Joshua. I'm going to be with you. Start to finish. You can count on God being with you. He was with Moses supernaturally as needed. You need to cross this Red Sea. Watch me open it for you. You need to provide food for these people. Watch the manna show up every day. You need water to drink in the desert. Watch me provide that. The water is bad. Watch me turn it good. Whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do. Supernaturally, God was with Moses as he was needed. And he would be with Joshua. And he was with Jesus. And he was with the early church. And he will be with you as you need him to be. He's with Moses with a plan. He says, Moses, this is what I want you to do. And then he's got a plan for how he's going to deliver the people from Egypt. He wants Joshua to take the people into promised land. And he's going to give them a plan of how to do that. He's got a plan for you and I to be involved in. And, and so much of it is just found in the word. And then he's going to, through his Holy Spirit, he's going to specify moments for you or people or situations or burdens or ministries. He's going to specify that. He's going to show up with a plan. He shows up for Moses with the people that are needed. Moses isn't a good speaker. He provides his brother Aaron. He needs, he's got battles to fight. He provides Joshua. He gets overwhelmed by the people's needs. He provides all of these judges to help him. And so with Joshua and so with you, he's going to provide the people that you need. He's, he's with Moses through his frustrations and his doubts. There's times as you read in, in Je- Exodus and in Numbers, Moses is just so exasperated with these people. But God's with him through that. He's with Moses through his doubts. You can count on the fact that God is going to be with you even when you're so frustrated, even when you're so filled with doubt. He's, he's going to be with you just like he was with Moses. And he's going to be with you with a word. He would speak to Moses. He gives him the law. But there was a lot of personal interaction, God to Moses. We saw in Deuteronomy, those Deuteronomy verses, he was with Moses face to face. Well, in our time, it's not face to face. It's in us, the Holy Spirit who lives in us and who guides us in the word. He gives us understanding as we're reading the Bible. And then he gives us that personal word that we need when we need the moment. And then you've got to take away that he's with Moses seriously. The reason you have the book of Joshua here and we're not continuing the book of Deuteronomy is because of that moment when God said to Moses, Moses, you speak to the rock to provide water for these people. And Moses decided to smack the stick with his rod, uh, smack the rock with his rod. And God said to him, you just dishonored me in front of all these people. You will not go into the promised land. He's with Moses seriously. He's the God of heaven and he expects to be taken seriously. He's the God of heaven. He expects to be taken seriously by you and me. And, And when we don't take him seriously and we compromise or we try to ignore him or we make life too busy for him, or we're too overwhelmed or afraid or intimidated by what he's putting before us and we just ignore that, ignore that, he's going to be serious about that and he's going to deal with us. So he's got this promise. The promise to to Joshua is, hey, I was with Moses. I'm going to be with you. There's things you can count on and there's things you need to just keep your eyes open on. His promises are promises. You know, one thing that I hope you do that that Joshua needs to do here is personalize promises. When you take the promise God makes in this forever book and you realize he's saying that to me. So the book turns to you, you know, going into the Jordan, you and all this people, you, Joshua, he's personalizing it. And then he says, every soul of foot, uh, every soul, every place with the sole of your foot. Now he talks plural. He's talking about Joshua and this whole nation. I've given to you the whole nation. Wherever the sun goes down will be your territory, the whole nation. But now it becomes personal again, singular again. No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As as with Moses, I'll be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. That's something that's going to build your confidence in God. It's going to be something your confidence as you serve is when you can take those words for you. He's not just saying them to Joshua. He's not just saying them to really spiritual people. He's saying them to you. As you read through the New Testament, you find these yous, these promises. Grab onto them for yourself. So many verses that you know. In 1 Thessalonians 5, faithful is he who calls you and he will also do it. Uh, so many people who quote Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. They're back in chapter 1. Uh, the God who's begun a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion until Jesus comes. 1 Corinthians 12, that God has given you a spiritual gifting. He's given you a unique spiritual gifting that you can bring to what he's building in his kingdom, that he can use to bring people to Jesus and help people grow and serve Jesus. He's given you gifts to do that. Or in Ephesians chapter 4, where he points out that, that pastors and teachers, they're here so that you do the work of the ministry, so that you find ministry and do it. That's a promise. It's a promise. It's huge that you know the promises. You not just read a chapter, you do whatever, but you read with a view to God. What is it you're promising me? What is it as I move forward that I can count on from you? These promises that are yours because with you, God, a promise is a promise is a promise. He, he always holds on to those promises. And here's one. Here's one that he makes to Joshua. It's kind of our takeaway. If he, if he sometimes needs an after and he usually builds on faithfulness and he always keeps his promises, the last thing he points out is that he will never walk away. Never will God walk away. Israel gave God plenty of reasons to walk away. Almost from the moment they were, they were taken out of the land of Egypt, when the Egyptians started chasing them, they're all panicked and they're wondering, and they've got the Red Sea in front of them. And then what are we going to eat? And we're tired of eating this manna. And we're tired of Moses leading, leaving, leading us. And we wish we could go back to Egypt. Israel gave God plenty of reason to walk away from them. But he never did. Instead, God makes this promise, I will never leave you or forsake you. Boy, Jesus made that as his last promise, go into all world, make disciples, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's almost like everywhere you look, God is promising, I'm here, I'm still here, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. When David is having his handoff moment to his son Solomon, when he's giving him the, the job of building the temple, listen to what he says to him in First Chronicles. He's, David said to his Solomon, his son, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. Uh, he will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. He's going to be there, Solomon. He's going to show up for you. Now, now pick up the blending of Joshua and the pro this promise, because he says to him, until all the work for the service is finished. See, God is always looking for people to do the work because that's why he's letting us know he's not leaving. He's not going anywhere because there's a work for you to do and for you to do it, you've got to know that, that he's there with you. He will, he will never walk away from us. You may walk away from him. He is not walking away from you. He is the father in the story of the prodigal son who's waiting for that child to come back home. Hey, some of you may, who may have dropped in and may be watching, you may be some who have walked away. You might have grown up in this, got bored with it, got felt constrained by it, felt like it limited you, wanted to, to redefine your faith, whatever it is. You may have walked away, but God never has. God has never given up on you. He's never going to forsake you. He's waiting for that moment when you come home, when you realize that he is truth and his word is true and his purpose is good and his plan is forever and his heart is for you, and you come back home. He is not, he is not walking away from you. Moses, early in his life, ha has this moment where he tries to become the savior of Israel, and he kills an Egyptian, and it turns out badly, and he ends up in the desert for 40 years. And after 40 years, God comes to him. David, in the middle of his life, as a successful king and warrior, has, has just a season where he has an affair, and then he's trying to hide that affair, and he ends up arranging the murder of of the husband and God continues to use him. King Ahab is a terrible godless king but toward the end of his life there's a word from the Lord and he realizes how bad he's been and he repents and God takes him from there, takes him on from there. Because you may walk away from God, you may have a failure, you may have a relapse, you may have whatever you want to call it, backsliding season. He is not walking away from you. He's going to never leave you, never forsake you. Just as he, he stayed with them, he's going to stay with you. He's going to stay with you. As he's stirring you now and, and you're thinking of an area you like, always thought to be involved in, he's going to be there with you through all of that, through figuring out what it is, through putting it together. He's going to be with you through all of that. You just have to get to your Joshua moment. When he says to Joshua, you know, Moses is gone. 
after. You know, you've been his assistant, faithful. And then I've got this promise that I'm going to realize. And, and you can count as you go forward, I'm going to be with you. All of that, he says, now therefore arise and go. That's the word it's hard for us to hear sometimes. Okay, it's time to stop listening, to stop agreeing. It's time to get up and go. I know I talked last week about don't rush, and I, I don't want you to rush to get back to normal because I believe there's things God's going to raise up out of this time that when we're able to meet together, however that looks, that there's going to be new things that God wants to do because I don't think the church is going to look like the church for a long time. And in that time, God's going to be doing new things, but he's going to need new people available to do them. And I believe he's going to be stirring you. Some of you who are sitting there thinking, not me. I have nothing to bring. Tried it, didn't work. All of those different things. Boy, I'm, I'm almost begging you to just spend time with God, to hear him say to you, therefore arise and go. And to give you a definition on what that is and what, what that looks like. What can you count on over on his side? Well, he's got you in the after because it's after life is the way that it used to be. And he's going to build on your faithfulness. So be faithful in this COVID time. And then he's got a promise and, and, he's, and he's got a presence that he's going to give to you to get to there. So pray with me. Father, thank you that we're even allowed to, to participate in what you're doing, that we get to be involved in things where we know it's you and not us. So I'm just praying in, in this season before it ends that you would, you would make people excited about the things you're putting on their heart. Give them a burden for needs or particular people or ministries, whatever that is, God. Just raise up the kingdom. Let it be stronger and more widely expanded when this comes to an end. That's what we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, we are. Yes, Lord, we are.
Well, thanks so much, God, that we can, um, we can sing that. We can um, praise you for setting us free, Lord. We know that um, you have proclaimed all of us to be free in your name because of your blood. Um, so we just thank you for that, Lord, and we pray that you just, um, just pour out your blessing on us, not only in this time of hardship, but also just, um, just as we continue to seek to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, well, thanks for joining us for this Sunday's worship online service. We're glad you're here. Really hoping you're going to pray about what role God wants you to play in what he's doing. I, I just love to see people take a burden that God's given them and morph that into some way of serving him, into some kind of ministry that is either in the church or outside of the church, even better. So I'll be praying for you as, as you do that. Important to gather when we can't gather. And so for us, we gather at 11.15 on Zoom. You can email us at info at cottagehillchurch.com if you need that Zoom room number. We have evening and morning prayer meetings out on Zoom. Prayer is an important part of life here at Cottage Hill. Hey, we just want to make it available to you. If there's something going on in your life or in your family that you'd like us to be praying for, you don't have to be part of our church for that. We'd be glad to pray for you. You can just email your prayer request into that same email and we'll be glad to pray for you. And then just want to keep the work here going and and that takes money like so many things. And so hey, we just encourage you to support what we're doing here. We believe it's important. We believe it's eternally important. So whether you mail in a check or give on our website or text, we appreciate that so much. You can, you can learn more about us through our website, cottagehillchurch.com. And as always, this is what we're about, cultivating a body equipped with the word and empowered by prayer to make disciples that change the world. That's what our days and our weeks are about. God bless you as you do that. Have a great week.